So on today's Two Accountants, One Mic podcast, it's just myself and Mark. Um, Sophie's on holiday at the moment, uh, and as promised, this week's topic will be capital gains tax. So what is capital gains tax? So capital gains tax, and for the majority of this podcast, we'll just refer to it as CGT. Um, Otherwise, I'll probably get too tired of talking. (laughs) Uh, Now, that is the tax on any profit when an asset has been sold or gifted. Now, the profit is the key part or the appreciation or the increase in value, as this is the difference between any value that was paid for the asset initially and the value in which the asset is sold or gifted. Um, the monetary value of the of the gain is the amount that could be taxable. Uh, now, I, I say could because there are other circumstances in which it might not be. Um, so, for example, um, if Amazon shares were purchased for £5,000, they were sold at a later date for twenty. That's twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this would be a gain of fifteen thousand pound, which could be taxable. So, who pays capital gains tax? Anyone can pay CGT if you're selling or disposing of a chargeable asset. You can pay CGT on your personal assets as well as assets from which you own as a trustee or are disposing as a personal representative. Examples of chargeable assets: property that isn't your main residence, e.g., a buy-to-let. Some personal possessions that are worth more than £6,000, though it excludes your car. Stocks and shares that are not in an ISA and business assets. So in terms of different rates, Tom, what can we expect for CGT? So there's not just one prevailing rate. Uh, there there are, no. no. <laughs> that would be too easy. Yeah, um, there are a number of rates and it, some of those are dependent on the asset that's been sold. And some are also dependent on the circumstances in which the asset has been sold. Um, so for most individuals, there's either a rate of 10 or 20%. Uh, now, an example in which this rate would apply is on the sale of a share, um, for example. Now, for residential properties, there's a basic rate of 18% and a higher rate of 28%. Now, there's always a rate of 20% for trustees or personal representatives. And for uh, trustees or, pers- or personal representatives disposing of a residential property is always 28%. So do companies pay CGT? So put simply, um, if you could pay CGT if you're self-employed, or sorry, you could pay CGT if you're self-employed, a sole trader or in a business partnership, limited companies do not pay CGT. Instead, they pay corporation tax at the prevailing rate, which of course has just recently changed. Sole traders and businesses may qualify for business asset disposal relief, or BADR, when they sell or gift a part of their business. This can also apply to personal company owners, providing they have at least a 5% share and voting right. So this means that you can pay a reduced rate of 10% of any gains. The criteria really for BRD BADR is is quite complex and you must consider your personal circumstances so it really would take uh, the view of a professional advisor to to elect for such a relief. You can claim a total of 1 million in business asset disposal relief over your lifetime. Do you pay capital gains on selling your house? So generally uh, if you're selling your main residence as a house that you currently live in um, the answer is probably no. 
Um, now, if you do own any other properties, they could be subject to capital gains tax. So, for example, uh, a second home or a buy-to-let property, mm-hmm. they're likely to uh, incur some CGT. Um, now, some uh, some properties that may be a second home but may have at one point been your main residence are likely to attract uh, something called private residence relief. Um, so the, the, the gain would be apportioned for the time in which it wasn't your main residence. Um, now, you do not have to pay any tax if you're gifting a property to your spouse or civil partner or to a charity. Um, so... Again, uh, it can vary um, dependent on circumstances, which is why to seek advice is such an important thing to do. Um, Now, the tax that you would need to pay is usually calculated by the price that the property uh, cost initially and the price in which it's been sold. Uh, Now, some costs can be deducted. For example, uh, any improvement costs. So these would be capital improvement costs. For example, um, construction of an extension would be a capital improvement cost. Any advertisement costs in the sale, so these could be estate agents fees, um, any costs, any professional fees to do with the sale, so for example, uh, legal fees, accountancy fees, again, estate agency fees. Um, So these can all be included to reduce the gain and and therefore any tax payable. Um, So the one important thing to bear in mind is the change that was made almost three years ago now, um, is any residential property sale should be reported within 60 days of the sale and any CGT paid. Um, Now, previously, this would have just been done through uh, an annual self-assessment. This is now done outside of self-assessment. And if you do complete a self-assessment, the gain and any tax paid must also be included on your tax return. So it's just important to bear that in mind. Um, Penalties can be incurred if it's not done. So... Um, how, how have you seen the administration of that being uh, dealt with, really? Because naturally, if I was selling my property, I would be uh, using my solicitor. Have you seen that, not not that it's a solicitor bashing uh, podcast um, <laughs> at all, um, though at times it, it may, may be worthy of, of that. Um, have you seen that the that, that individuals that are selling the properties getting the sufficient advice to take the advice? Or uh, have you had many instances where people have gone past that deadline without knowing so i've seen a mixed bag to be honest with you um i've seen a number of clients and and this has reduced over time as Mm -hmm. you know naturally uh, property investors have become more used to the system um now individuals who may have just had one extra property um are more likely to have been stung by this you know they're not regularly in contact with professionals um you know perhaps they didn't know and they weren't necessarily advised um, by the uh, by the solicitor dealing with the sale um, unfortunately um, they did incur penalties uh, and there's not a great deal that could be done about them um, so the actual the actual registration process just to just to uh, try help people um, not panic too much uh, with it complicated straightforward Pretty easy. Um, Now, it's all done through the government gateway, um, and then uh, a digital capital gains tax account can be created. Mm -hmm. The tax return can be prepared on there. The tax can be paid on there. Mm -hmm. It can be done by debit card, bank transfer. Um, For a more tech-savvy client, fairly straightforward, provided that you've got 
the relevant details for the sale. So these will be things like the completion date, uh, the proceeds, any improvement costs, etc. So provided that you've got that information, a more tech-savvy client would probably find it fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. Now for a client who's less comfortable with technology, yeah. it, it would be a major stopping block. Yeah, I know uh, I dealt with one recently and uh, my advice to them, because it was quite, um, it was it, the property itself was bought some time ago out of family probate, was 60 days sounds quite a lot from completion to get it in. But if you have to go back through records and remind yourself what you purchased for the property, the renovations along the way, um, as, as Tom mentioned, looking at all the, if you like, incidental costs of selling the, the property itself, I would advise them that the moment that, that it looks like the sale's about to go through, which probably would take another 60 to 90 days for actual completion to start the calculation then, as opposed to I've sold it and now look at it because the 60 days pass quite quickly, particularly if you're relying on, on, on say a, a solicitor that may not uh, practice anymore and, and you then have to use your existing solicitor for land registry details or historical transactions. So, it's certainly something if you don't keep good records for along the way that 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 you need to start the process as the property is pretty much sold. I would say definitely it's yeah. it's a time period that sounds a lot longer than it really is. Yeah, yeah, it's never it it never seems quite enough, does it? No. So, is there any CGT on inherited property? Now, this this is a question that uh, that comes up quite a lot because naturally um, we're we're in the age, I suppose, of of, of people owning multiple properties in terms of, of rental properties and, and then passing them through uh, on their estate, which which we're not talking of inheritance tax today. So we will do that as a as a separate podcast. But but put simply, as a beneficiary of an estate, you will only be subject to the CGT if the property or asset has risen in value since you had acquired it uh, and basically at the sale date. So what we mean by that is the date that the, um, that the property was passed over to you, there will be a value associated to to that, um, as part of uh, a part of part of the probate inheritance tax calculation, if you like, um, so that would be your acquired costs. So say say I, say I was to receive a property through probate, and the the, the deemed value was to be one hundred thousand pounds at that point. I kept that for three more years, and then sold it for one hundred thirty thousand pounds. My gross gain on that property would be thirty thousand pounds, subject to any other costs that I've occurred along the way, as, as Thomas has eloquently put the improvements and incidental costs as well. So, so that, so yes, it, it is part of the calculation, but it, it, it again requires that documentation um, uh, being in place and an understanding of the value that was attributed to that property. Uh, at the point of probate, uh, when that, that that property itself was moved over to you, so uh, a relevant question, Tom, in terms of um, annual capital gains tax allowance, which is a mouthful. Um, what <laughs> is the annual capital gains tax allowance? So this is called the annual exempt amount. Um, now, this is the amount that any individual, including children, um, can. Um, uh, can receive um, in capital gains in a year free of any tax. Now, this used to be £12,300, which again is fairly similar to the personal allowance for income tax. Um, now, this has just recently changed um, as of the 6th of April this month. Yeah. Um, it's now reduced down to £6,000 for individuals. Um, it's currently £3,000 for trusts. 
Um, as of the 6th of April 2024, it's going to half again um, down to £3,000 and for trusts to £1,500. Mm-hmm. So if you were to have made a capital gain of, um, at the moment, let's say £4,000, now that would not necessarily attract any CGT. Yeah. Now, what it's important to bear in mind is that's not per transaction, that's per tax year. Yes. Um, so, for example, if another gain of £4,000 was to be made, mm-hmm. there would be some liability to CGT. Yeah. Um, just something that's um, also important to bring up, this allowance cannot be carried forward. Yeah. So, unused allowances from previous years can't be carried forward into future years. So, the the street accountants like to say, sort of use it or lose it, I would say. Pr- pretty much. Have you yeah. ever used that with a client? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's often a common point of advice. Yeah. Um, if somebody mm-hmm. could wait um, to use up the allowance, that's probably less relevant now and will become less relevant over time. Yeah. Um, particularly with certain assets like property, for example, uh, the value is appreciated so much that a £3,000 exemption is minimal. Yeah. It's a minimal saving. Mm-hmm. Um, 12300 fairly significant, 3000 fairly minimal. So that advice may become slightly dated over time. Yeah, I mean, th- there are some bear traps as well with that, which we'll not go into too much detail um, on again. But uh, say, for example, if you if you trade shares, revenue do have rules to try and make it a little bit more difficult for you to um, bank off the gain, if you like. So um, on that point, it wouldn't be a case of, say, for example, if you had some shares, uh, it was the 4th of April, you'd not used any of your allowance and you felt, well, I can sell these shares make a £3,000 gain and pay no tax and then buy those shares back the day after. There are there are some rules specifically for court for share trading, I suppose, that that deal with that. So again, if, if you're thinking of transacting to um, to uh, to benefit, if you like, from this allowance based on the use it or lose it principle, then certainly take uh, advice from your advisor. And, and a, another point as well, just to, just to keep in mind, is is uh, transfers between husband and wife and spouses, uh, civil partners, etc., um, are free from capital gains. So that is certainly something to consider if, if there's a if there's a transaction coming up and the ownership isn't necessarily at least 50-50, uh, then to, to consider that. Is that something um, that that you've you've seen a bit of historically with the properties, Tom, bringing on bringing on somebody else? Definitely with def- definitely yeah. with property. Yeah. Yeah, because just to put that into context context, should I say, that would be dealt with the solicitor um, on the day of the transaction, so it wouldn't cause any undue delays. It would be it would you Unless you just told them on the day of the transaction that was your intention, but it, but with good advice, you would certainly be teeing that up as part of the process, and and that that can save significant amounts of tax. Unfortunately, not quite what it used to, given that when the allowances were much higher, that that could take um, a married couple and civil partnership up to twenty five thousand gain and pay no tax. But but it's still something that's uh, worthy of thinking about. I think to be honest, it's, it's definitely worth still considering it. It's just certainly become slightly less relevant okay and I'm going to keep you on your toes we're not going to do the tennis questions here so how do I calculate uh, capital gains tax Tom so so um, just in the circumstance that there were multiple disposals um, I think that's probably the the best way for us to start so um, each gain per asset would then be worked out so uh, generally this would be any sale proceeds less any allowable costs 
then we would look to uh, add all of the individual gains up. Um, if there were any capital losses brought forward from the previous tax year, these would then be deducted from the total gains. Now, that's the point in which the annual exempt amount, currently £6,000, would then be deducted um, and the relevant rates would be applied. Yeah. Okay. So in, in terms of, of, of moving on as well, the actual payment of the corporation tax, I know, I know we have discussed that um, specifically for the, the property disposal, but just in general, if it's not a property disposal, if it's a, if it's a share sale, uh, for example, for example, how would I pay it? Um, so let, let's assume I am registered for self-assessment in this instance. So how would I pay my? my capital gains tax so generally for a non-residential property disposal this can just be done through your annual tax return there would be a payment on the 31st of january following the end of the tax year um it's really no different um beyond the complexities of the calculation the method of payment is really very similar Mm -hmm. now there are other methods for example a a real-time information report that can be done uh to pay the cgt on the uh, as the transaction occurs, mm-hmm. that is possible. Yeah. Um, however, that's not always the most popular option. Yeah. If it can just be done through self-assessment, it's often the most simple way and um, that's often the most popular option. Yeah. So a bit of a checklist really. If if, if I have um, a few items that could be subject to capital gains tax, I think I think what I would take away from from, if you like, articulating this as a topic again it is one where planning um, is key in terms of the date of the transaction the people involved in the transaction um, the way that the uh, the relevant allowances can be claimed as well so it's not a it's it's not a simple it's it's simple by method of calculation but it's not a simple tax it is a it is something that you would benefit from picking your phone, picking your phone up, or dropping an email to your accountant, or or if you don't have one, uh, reaching out to one, and and just, I suppose, going through scenario playing and seeing how will this work, how will this work next year, uh, and can I do anything differently with this? Yeah, I mean, there are a number of booby traps that can you know occur through just lack of general planning. Um, some you know, and, you know, just as Mark said. A simple phone call can often reduce the risk of some of these. Um, some of that, you know, in, in case of a, uh, like a business disposal or an exit strategy, um, can be dealt with with some fairly simple measures. Maybe a little bit of restructuring. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a really lengthy process. Sometimes just a little bit of forethought yeah. can save you a significant amount of tax. Absolutely, and. That's that again is the purpose of these podcasts, just to just to encourage any listener to just um, reach out and get some advice before before it's too late and and, and unnecessary, if you like, um, monetary uh, uh, payments are made over over to HMRC. So, as with with other podcasts, would say if if you if you're a client or just a listener of this podcast, if you want if you want some help, just drop us an email. Um, we'll get back to you, and we'll uh, we'll try and answer uh, as best as we can. Um, so next week, uh, you're in Santorini, aren't you, Tom? I am. Yeah, he's just been telling me about this uh, before the podcast, and I've had to tell him how 
how long my wife's wanted me to take it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's managed to take his girlfriend much quicker than I. So big, big points to Tom. So we might start the next podcast with, uh, with Santorini, um, uh, stories, stories, stories from Santorini by Tom Bell. So, unless I'm in an awful jet skiing accident. Absolutely. So, yeah, try, try stay, stay safe whilst you're there. Uh, so, what next week? What we might do is a bit of a mashup of all of the ones so far, um, and 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 really put together the key points from each of the topics that we've discussed. And then from there, we uh, the week after we'll be doing one about self-assessment, which which I suppose you could say sounds. Um, very rudimentary but the the purpose of the podcast again is is to to provide trigger points uh and and general under, understanding why it's required and and when it's required so we'll just be talking about how you register when you register when you can deregister um general pitfalls of 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 certain things that you can do on a self assessment return that that might cause you unforeseen issues in the future uh one of my big bugs book bears is paying the tax through pays you encoding it's something that makes me cringe every time i hear it's been done but um we'll get to that so uh thank you very much tom it's been enjoyable as always and uh i wish you well in uh, in santorini Have a great time <laughs> thanks very much thanks a lot bye bye <laughs>